On the 10th of March 1915, the British launched an offensive against German lines near Neuve Chapelle. Early in the attack, Lieutenant George Henderson of the 15th Sikh Regiment of the Indian Army was badly wounded. His colleague, Subedar Manta Singh, rescued Henderson and so began the story of a friendship that would span two world wars, two continents and three generations. Join me on Those Who Served to hear the story of Subedar Manta Singh of the 15th Sikh Regiment, the 3rd Lahore Division. My name is John Pope. I'm a volunteer speaker with the Commonwealth War Graves Commission and have an interest in ordinary men and women who served in extraordinary times. Manta Singh and others like him were volunteers. Some were conscripts. Some had the time of their lives, while others were scarred mentally and physically or simply failed to return home to their loved ones. They weren't all heroes and they weren't all decorated, but for most, war at home and abroad was an experience which shaped them and changed them. Drawing on books, official records, internet resources and personal recollections from friends and families, I've pieced together just some of the stories of those who served. Join me in this episode to learn more about Subedar Manta Singh of the 15th Ludhiana Sikh Regiment. Manta Singh was born in 1870 in the village of Salempur, part of the district of Jalandhar in the Punjab, about five miles west of the city of Ludhiana. After leaving school, he joined the 15th Ludhiana Sikhs, part of the Indian Army. Since he was literate, Manta Singh soon rose to the rank of Subedar, the equivalent of captain. He married in the early 1900s and his son, Asa Singh, was born in 1909. A photograph of Asa as a baby with his father Manta and grandfather Kem can be seen on the episode extras page of the Those Who Served website. Another picture is also striking. It shows a collection of officers, both Indian and British, on General Abbott's visit to the regiment in January 1913. In the middle of the back row, you can see Subedar Manta Singh and to his right, Lieutenant George Henderson. The two men were great friends and it would become a bond which would endure between the two families to this day. At the outset of World War I, the 15th Sikhs were incorporated into the 8th Julandur Brigade as part of the 3rd Lahore Division and were mobilised as early as the 8th of August, sailing from Mumbai and Karachi between the 24th and 29th to reach Marseille in late September. Despite being familiar with colonial troops from Africa, French civilians were captivated by the arrival of these tall, bearded men wearing dastars or turbans. The battalion war diary reports that we had a most enthusiastic reception Baskets of fruit were pressed on the men at every possible occasion. A popular French postcard of the time depicts the 15th Sikhs marching through Marseille towards the railway station. The legend reads, Les troupes indiennes viennent châtier les brigands et le monde, or Indian troops marching to chasten the German hooligans. After a long train journey lasting several days, their arrival in French Flanders was less agreeable. It is cold and wet and there is mud everywhere. It rains all day, every day. By October, 
The 8th Jullunder Brigade, including Subedar Mantasingh and the 15th Sikhs, were in the Armentieres La Basse region of northern France. Units of the Indian Army had a slightly different structure to their British counterparts, and in the early phases of the war, three Indian battalions, the 15th Ludhiana Sikhs, the 47th Sikhs, and the 59th Cinder Rifles, were joined by one of various British units, including the 1st Manchesters, the 2nd Queen's Own, Royal West Kents, and the 1st 4th Suffolks. Subedar Singh saw action throughout October in the Battle of La Basse and the defence of Givenchy in mid-December. Throughout that period it was indeed cold and wet, and the constant artillery bombardments, trench raids and sniping was unlike any conflict the battalion had encountered before. Letters home were routinely censored, irrespective of where the soldiers came from, but some got through. For God's sake, they wrote, don't come. Tell my brother not to enlist. Cannons, machine guns, bombs, like the rains in July and August. Those who've escaped so far are like the few grains uncooked in a pot. Approximately 1.3 million Indian soldiers served throughout the world in World War I, and all were volunteers, with 150,000 active on the Western Front. So what encouraged them to travel halfway around the world to fight in a foreign war in a far-off land? In her book, For King and Another Country, Shrabani Basu suggests it was quite simple. The British offered the Indians regular pay of 11 rupees a month, a uniform and three meals a day. At a time of scarcity, it was enough to attract the illiterate peasants and the tribal warriors. Since the Indian mutiny, the British army had learned to accommodate the religious beliefs and the dietary requirements of a diverse range of people from the subcontinent. A comfort committee was set up and the soldiers were supplied with everything they needed, from spices, ghee and religious books, to neem sticks to clean their teeth with and waterproof turban covers. In intelligence reports, German soldiers described unfamiliar food smells as curries were cooked close to the trenches, and on the home front, a halal butcher's shop was opened in Brighton. In early March 1915, the British First Army, under Sir Douglas Haig, planned its first major assault on the German lines near Neuve Chapelle. Their objective was to cut off the salient and capture Aubert's Ridge, a shallow rise to the west, and threaten the vital German railway networks near Lille and Douai. A contemporary map shows their objectives and the progress made on the extras page of the website, together with a modern-day Google map view of the Neuve Chapelle area. The British artillery bombardment, short but intense, began at 7.30am on the 10th of March. At 8 o'clock, as the barrage lifted, units of the Garwell Brigade and the 8th Division moved forward. The German lines had been damaged and were lightly defended, so the first attacks made generally good progress. As with many early actions in the war, communication between frontline troops and those further back was often hampered. Telephone lines were cut by artillery fire, runners became lost, and pigeons, although reliable, flew far behind the lines before their messages could be recovered, read and acted upon. Despite this, troops from the 3rd Londons, the Seaforth Highlanders, the 9th Gurkhas and the 1st Sherwood Foresters made it through the village to the flat fields beyond, towards the Lays Brook and the Bois de Biez. The brook, 
a stream just a few feet wide, had been damaged by the artillery bombardment and had burst its banks and flooded a large area, which soon became a quagmire. When reinforcements were called, other Indian and British units, including the 15th Sikhs, made their way forward, although by now the Germans had recovered sufficiently to reply with artillery and machine gun fire. At this point of the war, British soldiers still wore a soft peaked field cap, while the Indian troops wore dastars or turbans. They were particularly susceptible to shrapnel and bullet wounds to the head, as the steel helmet would not become a key part of the uniform until early 1916. During the confusion of battle, Subedar Manta Singh saw his friend and colleague Lieutenant George Henderson fall, seriously wounded. Singh crawled to him from the safety of a low trench and rescued Henderson by placing him in a farmer's wheelbarrow, which had been discarded in no man's land. As he wheeled Henderson to safety, Singh was also hit in the leg by a bullet, and although wounded, continued his journey back to an advanced dressing station. For both men, the Battle of Neuve-Chapelle was over. Lord Kitchener, who was the former commander-in-chief of the Indian Army, felt a strong duty of care towards the Indian troops, and had placed medical provision high on the list. Since medical facilities in France and Belgium were already overstretched, additional hospitals were required, and Brighton was chosen as the main site for a complex dedicated to the care of wounded and sick Indian soldiers. Three buildings were given by the town authorities for this purpose. The workhouse, renamed the Kitchener Hospital, now the Brighton General Hospital, the York Place School and the Royal Pavilion. The palace, built in the Indo-Saracenic style by, among others, John Nash, for the Prince Regent in the early 19th century, made an unusual but perhaps fitting site for a medical facility for Indian soldiers. From December 1914, over 2,300 Indians received medical treatment in the town. As the wounded soldiers convalesced, they became minor celebrities, with sightseeing trips to London and Worthing and the nearby beaches, and concerts were arranged to keep them entertained. One patient wrote that, Here, the ladies tend to us like a mother tends her child, and another wrote, Men in hospital are treated like flowers. However, fraternisation with local women was controlled, doors were locked at night, and barbed wire topped the walls. One Gurkha soldier praised his medical care, but described the hospital as a very large prison. 674 casualties from Neuve Chapelle were treated in Brighton, including Subedar Manta Singh. He arrived on the 15th of March, five days after his injury, and an arduous journey by train and ferry. In the pre-antibiotic age, the entry wound for a bullet or shrapnel would invariably be accompanied by soil and clothing fragments, and infection was common. He developed septicemia, gangrene, and had one leg amputated, but died on the 20th of March 1915. He was cremated and his ashes scattered at sea. He's commemorated at the Chattery, the Patcham Down Indian Forces Cremation Memorial, north of Brighton on the South Downs. During World War I, soldiers of the Indian Army won more than 13,000 bravery medals around the world, including 12 Victoria Crosses, but they suffered 65,000 wounded and almost 48,000 killed. The Chattery Memorial to all those who died of their wounds in Brighton was unveiled in 1921 and features 53 names, 
predominantly Sikh and Hindu soldiers who were cremated. War graves and another memorial to Muslim soldiers who died after Neuve Chapelle can be seen at the Commonwealth War Graves site at Brookwood Cemetery and the Shah Jahan Mosque burial ground near Woking in Surrey. The Neuve Chapelle Memorial, just outside the village in France, unveiled in 1927, commemorates over 4,700 Indian soldiers and labourers who lost their lives on the Western Front and have no known grave. But what of Manta Singh's son Asa and his family in India? When Manta Singh died, Asa was only six years old. George Henderson, who recovered from his wounds and survived the war, encouraged the Singh family and his fellow officers to help Asa join his late father's regiment. 25 years later, Asa Singh served with Robert Henderson, George's son, in World War II, just as their fathers had done so. Singh retired as a colonel before his death, aged 93. The families are still friends and were photographed together at a ceremony to mark the centenary of World War I at the House of Commons. I'd like to thank EmpireFaithAndWar.com, The Long Long Trail, the National Army Museum and the Imperial War Museum for access to maps, war diaries and records. And to Sarah Nathaniel of the Commonwealth War Graves Commission for photographs and further information. And lastly, the Singh, Jahal and Henderson families for additional photographs, all of which can be seen via links to the episode extras page on the website. Until next time, thank you for listening to Those Who Served, with me, John Pope. You can show your support for this free podcast by clicking on buymeacoffee.com or by donating through the Patreon page. All funds are used to cover the costs of research, production and syndication. You can join in with the show by sharing what details you know of a family member or friend who served in a 20th century conflict. Simply follow the links on the website or contact me directly by email at info at those who serve.co.uk. Thank you. <laughs>